Hello and welcome to Very Much Earth Darkon, the show where we talk about some things Dungeons and Dragons, other things homebrew, and all things tabletop gaming. I'm your host, Harrison Cordell, to explain what this podcast is all about, and also explain D&D along the way. For episode zero of this show, we wanted to do something that we personally haven't seen from other D&D podcasts, and take a deep dive into what Dungeons and Dragons actually is for people who don't know. To start, the most important thing to know about the show is Dungeons and Dragons, better known as D&D. Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. A tabletop game is where you play the game on a table with two or more of your friends. Mainly, it's just a more official-sounding name for a board game. A role-playing game, however, means you play a board game where you pretend to be a fictional character. You think, act, and even feel like your character while your friends react as characters of their own. Imagine you're making up a play as it's happening. You make up what your character is doing as your friends make up what their characters are doing, and it kind of goes back and forth, leading to all of you at the table making your own story together. But you don't just chat with your friends around a table for a long while. It's a game, after all. You need rules. This is where it might get a little bit complicated, but trust me, it's very simple, especially when you play it. There are several kinds of rules while playing D&D, but the most important is rolling dice. Since you imagine the game with your friends, it's hard to give equal ownership of the story to everyone by just taking turns talking. So there's another force at play to even everything out. The concept of chance. Whenever you try to do something, you roll to see if you succeed, or fail. Roll high, you succeed. Roll low, you fail. Though dice work a little bit differently in D&D and other role-playing games. Instead of just the six-sided die you know from games like Monopoly and, and other basic board games, you have multiple types of polyhedral dice. They're just shapes with different number of sides. Instead of just the six-sided dice you know from games like Monopoly and Risk, in D&D you have multiple types of polyhedral dice. They're just shapes with different numbers of sides, like 10 sized instead of 6. It'll make sense in a second. For D&D, you need a D4, a D6, the dice you already know, a D8, a D10, a D12, and the legendary D20. Different parts of the game require use of different dice, but the bulk of the game is played by rolling a D20. You have different numbers you can add to all of these rolls, but that's covered in the next section. Most of the people at the table are players. They act as characters in the world controlled by the other person at the table, the one dungeon master, who we'll get to in a bit. Players make characters using something called a character sheet, a blank worksheet that asks you to fill in details like your character's name, their background, and their powers slash abilities. All these details are outlined in the main resources of the game, the player's handbook and other books published by Wizards of the Coast. Books with information that is all streamlined on the website wiki.com, a resource that makes this podcast possible, and a website that I love. Link will be in the description. This isn't a sponsor thing. It's just genuinely great. Or you can use websites like D&D Beyond and Dungeon Master's Vault, who have completely automated the process of making a character sheet and do all the math for you. And that is what puts off a lot of new players. The math seems a little daunting at first, but it gets easier the more you play, which I guess is how all math is. Before we get to the math, though, what do all these things mean for your character? The character sheet tells you the most important things about your character. Who they are, what they do, and how they do it. We'll start with an easy first character for most new players to make, and explain step by step how this applies to any character. Let's break down as simple as you can get for a new player. A human fighter. The first question we need to ask is, who are they? The first thing you choose on the character sheet is their player race. D&D is foremost a fantasy setting, so you can be anything from a high elf of the woods to a goblin from a different part of the woods. There's dozens of options to choose from, inspired by several different fantasy stories and non-fantasy stories as well. 
the games have been around for a long time. But for now, we'll keep things simple and choose a human. As a human, you get the simple power of re-rolling a bad roll on the die, and get to choose what languages you speak. After that, you make a backstory for your character. For now, let's say our backstory was a simple farm boy turned adventurer when his family needed money. Of course, this is up to you for whenever you want to make a character, but this will be fine for now. Now that we know who they are, we can ask about what they do. There is a divide in types of classes for these characters. You can either be a martial class, specializing in weapon use and unarmed combat, or a spellcasting class, a class where you know magic and how to cast spells. These are based off various kind of fantasy archetypes that we can get into for a while. But for simplicity's sake, we'll be a fighter instead of a wizard or sorcerer. This is a simple answer to the question. If you're a fighter, you fight. You know your way around a sword or a bow, and you can also take a few hits. But now we're left with the question, how do you fight? Well, that depends on something called a subclass. D&D is a lot like modern video games. You gain more strength with more experience. Experience is something you gain from things like combat or problems you overcome. After getting enough experience, you get the chance to level up. The higher your level, the more powers you have, and the stronger those powers are. The range of levels in D&D are from 1 to 20. Level 1 being pretty good for a commoner, and level 20 being okay for actual godhood. It's a very satisfying climb to the top, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. There are tons and tons of things you get level by level. For example, at level 3 out of 20, fighters choose their subclass. A subclass is the perfect way to answer the question, how do you do what you do? Fighters have some cool choices for how they fight, thanks to a lot of cool subclasses. Are you a samurai who has mastered the blade? Are you a rune knight that has harnessed magic runes to gain the strength of giants? Are you an arcane archer that has learned a few spells to use in between kick and ass? These are all fun approaches, but for now we'll break down the easiest type of fighter to start with. The champion fighter. This build is dedicated to being simple but flashy. You're a charismatic individual that fights very well. You can do everything a fighter can, but you could do better with bad rolls on the dice. Instead of the best roll in the game, a nat 20, you can roll a 19 on the die and get a critical success. A critical success means you automatically succeed at whatever you were trying to do, while the opposite of that is a nat 1, a critical failure, meaning that you fail regardless of your bonuses. Bonuses that come from our next section. Now, this is a little bit more for the question, how do you fight? Now, these rules have more to answer about how do you fight. Actually, they answer how you do anything. Your stats. Well, statistics. Statistics are modifiers for your roles. In D&D, they are better known as ability scores. Every check the Dungeon Master calls for is derived from one of the ability scores that every D&D character shares. These are the six ability scores for D&D. You have strength for how strong you are. You have strength for simply how strong you are. The classes that prioritize this are fighters, paladins, and barbarians. You have dexterity for how fast and nimble you are. The classes that prioritize this are rogues, rangers, and monks. Your constitution is for how healthy and tough you are. The classes that prioritize this are, well, every class. Your health is very important to your character. Hit points are the foundation of the game. HP is the counter that you use to keep track of your life. Like in a video game, you take damage until you reach zero HP, meaning you die. The more hit points, the better chance you have at surviving and Constitution helps you get more hit points. Going back to ability scores, next is Intelligence, for how smart you are. The classes that prioritize this are Wizards and Artificers, and any other class that wants to dip into more complicated spellcasting. 
your wisdom is for how aware you are of the world around you and how aware of other people's feelings you are. Kind of like how perceptive and insightful you are. The classes that prioritize this are druids, rangers, and monks. Some classes need good scores and multiple abilities. And finally, your charisma, for how persuasive and deceptive you are. The classes that prioritize this are bards, sorcerers, warlocks, paladins, and clerics. A very important pillar of the game if you want to interact with anyone or, or cast really cool charm spells. All of these abilities are graded on a 1 to 20 scale, one being impossible to attain in the game as it would mean your character was literally motionless and straight up dead, and 20 on the scale resembling reaching godhood in this certain ability. For example, our human fighter would prioritize strength. It's impossible for a living person to have a 1 in any ability category, so we have to assume the lowest you could get is maybe a 6. A six in strength would mean you are sickly weak. You can carry the clothes on your back and not much else. You add a minus two to every strength check you roll, meaning you subtract two from your roll whenever you're rolling to do something athletic or anything else strength-related like jumping and grappling. If you rolled a ten on the die, your total for the check would be an eight. On the opposite side of the spectrum, of strength is the ability score of 20. You have honed your body to rival the strength of Hercules himself. You have an ability modifier of plus 5. On a roll of 10 on the die, it becomes a 15. If you didn't notice, all ability scores translate to a different modifier. Instead of adding 20 to a roll, you add a plus 5. The math for it is more basic than it seems. It all starts with 10. An ability score of 10 is a modifier of plus 0. It's a skill that you're not good or bad at. The modifier is your ability score minus 10 and divided by 2. 12 is a plus 1, 14 is a plus 2, etc, etc. The opposite is true as well. A 8 is minus 1, a 6 is minus 2. You have to round to an even number, but it all checks out. It seems complicated now, but this makes the math while you're playing much more simple. Plus, if you're overwhelmed by the math, the websites I mentioned earlier do it for you. Everything is calculated automatically for ease of access. On the site itself, they even roll for you and add the stuff you need to add. It's great for all players, not just new ones. I always use it personally, you know, just in case. And I play online most of the time. It's tough to get people at the same table. Speaking of people at the table, we still have to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important part of the table or at least the hardest job of the game. The Dungeon Master, better known as the DM, is a job that is easy to learn and hard to master. Well, it's more two jobs at the table, really. You act as referee for the rules you want to follow. Players want to do things. You have to tell them how hard it is, and then have them roll to succeed or fail. You also have to do this for monsters and anyone else that they interact with in the world. Second, you have to write or learn about the world your players are in, and you have to react to what your players do. And that's it. And you have to react to what your players do. And that's it. It seems simple, but can get as complicated as you want it to be. You make the rules and the world, so it's all up to you. Your players can be good at giving feedback for what they want to see, but most of the time they're up for anything if they know how tough it is to run the games as a DM. Being a DM is challenging, but can be rewarding. You facilitate the game and make it fun for everyone by bending the rules just enough for everyone to have some fun. The players follow your pace, and that's a great thing about D&D. The rules are great and all, but the last step of any process is the DM, which could be you. You get to decide what rules work, what rules don't, and rules that aren't worth the trouble. You also get the chance to take your friends on a journey beyond all these rules. Alright, finally. Now that you know the basic rules, you're ready to break the rules. Uh, I'm only kidding. Uh, we're actually ready to make our own rules to suit the kind of game we want to run. 
though there are a few ways to do it without making new rules, per se. The first way to customize your D&D game is to describe it your own way. It sounds a little redundant, but it makes a huge difference. The entire game is in the imagination of the table. The imagination guided by you, the DM. Players describe things as well when you give them a chance, but the bulk of description is going to come from you. Meaning you get all the control you want. The game is created with a fantasy setting in mind, so it's natural to describe swords and sorcery, and to describe a dragon in a dungeon. But the game is also created to be edited and changed to whatever you and your friends want to play. Instead of heroes using swords and sorcery, you can describe heroes using laser swords and alien technology. Instead of a dragon in a dungeon, you can describe a mysterious monster in a seemingly average modern high school. The only limit to the game is what you're passionate about. The other side of homebrewing, instead of making your own rules, is just use somebody else's homebrew. There's plenty of resources online, or you can use my homebrew rules. What I'm passionate about are superheroes. Mostly an animated series about them, but I also like movies and comics that you probably know about as well. That's the main goal of this oddball idea for a homebrew podcast. Instead of just discussing the top posts on a page like r slash unearthed arcana, which is, you know, solid idea in the first place, I wanted to make something new, make something myself. So over the course of this podcast, I am going to be writing an entire homebrew book inspired by the heroes that have filled the pages of comic books, flown across the small screens, and absolutely revitalized the silver screen for the past, honestly, for dozens of years now. I hope to do this with the help of my friends, Matthew Easdell, Colton Byers, and many more wonderful people that you'll meet over the course of this podcast. Also, I was hoping to get some help from you, listening and providing feedback to the show, and even playing with our rules yourself to give some more feedback. Also, some help from you would just be to enjoy and listen to the show, maybe share it. Most of all, I'm hoping that you at home want to be a part of the process in creating Heroes of the Forgotten Realms, a book with 30-plus subclasses, two or three subclasses for every class in D&D 5e, dozens of enemy stat blocks, several super-powered rules for unique encounters, and a few magic items for good measure, all of which will be available on patreon.com slash via me arcana. I'm honestly super excited to finally share this uh, with the world to anyone listening, uh, and I'm also super excited for you to finally read what I've been writing for the past three and a half years now. I've been working on this for a very long time, and to finally get to the final stretch and get to the playtesting phase, I'm doing this whole podcast, I'm doing a whole Patreon where you can view the version ones for every single subclass I'm writing for free. Well, maybe a few extra just for the Patreon, but it's just, it's just, I'm super excited uh, about all of it, and I'm also excited to share it with my friends as well, uh, friends that uh, I know that you'll love. Um, yeah, they're all they're all wonderful, and they're very open to my creative process, and they're uh, really wonderful to work with. So I'm super excited about that as well. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot to cover on the show. It's super exciting, so we'll end this episode now, and I will recommend to you the other episodes on the page right now. Uh, we're doing a big premiere with a few different episodes of the show on the different sort of formats we're going to be doing to just really give a good palette of what to expect from the show. But enough of that. For now, I just hope you return for next time on Very Much Earthed Archon. Archive.